0: Um, so my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, yeah, this is my first time getting to preach here, at River City. So you're welcome. Anyway, so, so we've been uh, we've been going through the uh, the book of Ephesians um, all, uh, since we started services back in uh, early October. So we've just been slowly going preaching through that book. Um, So we've known for a long time that this Sunday was going to be the week where uh, the Apostle Paul starts talking about parenting. So that's why we had a child dedication today. So, like, we actually planned something, like, on purpose and everything. So um, we were organized for once. So um, I'm not going to be able to say everything there is to say about parenting. That's just impossible. I mean, like, you can. that's for a weekend conference. That's for maybe a week-long conference. Um, That would just be impossible. And um, so what I'm going to be talking about today... um, It's really going to be, in a lot of ways, a high-level and big-picture view of parenting. Um, So, Because the reality is I just can't um, say everything that can be applied to every parenting situation here. A lot of us just don't have kids. We're not even dating anybody. It's like some of us are married and don't have kids, and we're really happy about that right now. Um, Some of us have kids are various ages and everything. So um, there's just a lot of different stages that we're at right now and everything. So so for the sake of time, um, I'm going to mainly focus on my sermon on, uh, kids under the age of 10, because I think we'll see in this passage right here, um, there are, um, the passage really focuses on kids that are like under your roof, under your authority. It's just like, so I think we'll, we'll kind of focus on that age range. So I heard a guy once say that, um, about parenting, he said, uh, when I was young, I had six, six theories and no kids. And now I have six kids and no theories. <laughs> um, so for those of us who are parents, parents, um, that's where a lot of us are at. Because the truth is that parenting is wonderful and amazing and awful and horrible and maddening and discouraging and wonderful, and it runs the gamut. And it's totally worth it, too. And we really see that. Um, so it's my hope today, like, when it comes to, um, um, to this sermon, that you'll hear some good advice about parenting. Um, but even more importantly, that you'll hear good news about parenting, because a lot of times when we hear good advice without the good news of the gospel in the midst of it, um, that's just the weight that we just aren't meant to carry. All right, so let's pray. So God, thank you so much for for you and that you give us an identity that doesn't um, shake us when it comes to just um, the privilege and the weight of, of parenting. So I pray you'll just speak through me in whatever way that you want to, and I know that you're you just take care of that stuff, so yeah, so we love you. Amen. All right, so let's read the passage. So, so we're going to be going through uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So before we dive into the nitty-gritty, there's two big picture things that we need to notice about this passage in the context of Ephesians. One is just the context of Ephesians, okay? So, Uh, A lot of us, you know, we came to, uh, for the child dedication and everything. So we've been going through the whole book of Ephesians. So this isn't just some random verse in the middle of a letter that Paul wrote. It's like, we got to look at, you know, it's like when you read any other kind of letter, you know, it's like, so your wife can, you know, when you're dating, when you write letters to each other, you can write, you know, um, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're wife like writes you a letter you know and it's just like you can't just take out one little passage one little like line of what she says and just like take it out of context it's like oh there's actually a context to what she's saying i should listen to all of what she's saying and not just one little thing so so big picture ephesians is about the gospel so if you've seen if you've been here for the whole sermon series and you don't know that Ephesians is about the gospel, um, we have totally bombed on talking about Ephesians because the gospel is the big E on the I chart with this book. So the gospel is God like made us to be in a relationship with Him and like we sinned against Him. And when the Bible uses the word sin, that's just a fancy word to describe a condition of our heart where like we want to go our way and not God's way. We just reject His like leadership in our life and like that's that's what the bible calls sin and that's an irreconcilable difference between us and god and the way that difference the only way that difference gets gets fixed is because when we have faith in jesus and we have when we have faith in jesus our relationship with god is reconciled and when that relationship gets reconciled with god we're given a new identity and that new identity changes everything Our identity is wrapped up in belonging to Jesus, and that's the most important thing about us. So now, I think it was three or four weeks ago, like Nathan, who runs the sound right now, so you don't notice the sound guy unless like something goes wrong, so like he's the sound guy. So like when Nathan was up here three weeks ago talking about the gospel, one one of the things that he really helpfully mentioned was that the gospel keeps us from pride and despair. The gospel keeps us from pride and despair. So, um, so I asked Maggie if, well, so Maggie's my middle daughter, so I asked Maggie if I could tell this story here, so, like, I'm not being a bad dad and just, like, going all rogue and telling stories about my kids. So, Maggie, um, it was on Thursday night, um, so in, in Wisconsin, they do badger testing scores and everything like that, that's what they do in the state of Wisconsin, so, uh, um, in Iowa they do this map testing that we like I don't know. We're new to Iowa, we're still learning and everything. So so Maggie had her map testing and she's just laying in bed, she couldn't sleep, and she was just like, Dad, like I just can't sleep because there's just really big things going on in my life. I have my map testing and I'm just so worried about it. I just I I just I, I'm just really worried about it and I can't sleep. Now what I could have told her in that situation was like Maggie, you're really smart. and It's only a test. Don't worry about it. Go to sleep. And that would have been fine. There's nothing wrong with necessarily wrong with saying that at all. Um, but like, as a follower of Jesus, who's a dad, so like, what I did was I told Maggie, "Okay, Maggie, like, what's the most important thing about you?" And she said that I belong to Jesus. It's like, okay, do you belong to your test scores? Do you belong? And she's like, no. I'm like, do you belong to the approval of others? She's like, no. I'm like, who do you belong to? She's like, I belong to Jesus. I was like, well, Maggie, I know you're going to try your best in your score and your tests and everything. So just like, you know, sometimes test scores are good. Sometimes test scores are not good. Like, like belonging to Jesus is what doesn't change. So like, that just gives us a good night's sleep, doesn't it? She's like, yeah. Then she went to sleep. doesn't always work that well, okay? <laughs> but like, that was an example of that. So, and like, when it comes to parenting, like, it keeps us from pride and despair, like, because like, you know, sometimes like, you know, whether it's our MAP testing scores or whether it's our parenting scores, you're like, man, sometimes there are great days in parenting and it's totally because of us, sometimes there are great days in parenting and it's totally not because of us, sometimes we have horrible days in parenting and it's totally because of us. Sometimes we have horrible days in parenting, and it's not totally because of us. Like, but you know what? The things that, like, regardless of whether, like, it's a great day or not a great day, it's like we belong to Jesus, and, like, that's what doesn't change. So, like, that really gets us off the mat when we have those horrible days, and it actually is our fault. So, all right, so that's the context of Ephesians. The other big big picture thing that we need to notice is the flow, the flow. So the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians are just really about God, the gospel, who we are as a result of that. So God is the most important thing right there. And then when Paul suddenly gets to the nitty-gritty of life, it goes, so last week, Brandon preached about, you know, because Paul brought up marriage, and then suddenly he brings up parenting, and then sneak peek, next week, Dustin's going to be preaching about work. So it's like, God, marriage, kids, work. You know, it's like, I don't think Paul was concretely trying to, like, you know, put together this formula flowchart of our priorities, but I don't think it's a coincidence either that, like, oh, when he started to really talk about, like, the nitty-gritty of life, it's like, oh, that was the flow that it was. God, marriage, kids, work. Your kids should always be more important than your work. That doesn't mean you get a part-time job at Kinko's and call it good, right? Like, your kids should always be more important than your work. Your marriage should always be more important than your kids. And, like, if you're a Christian, um, like, God is more should always be more important than your marriage. And, like, and I know for Becky and I, and like, in our home life, and when we, like, really counsel people through... Um, just stuff that's going on at home. Um, like, not to be simplistic, but way more often than not, like there's something in that order of priorities that's out of order. It's like the kids are a little bit higher. God is like kind of like out of the picture. Like work is like way too high. It's just like there's something in that order that's kind of wonky. All right, so let's dig into the passage. Those are the two big picture things. So verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. this is every parent's favorite verse here All right. so that was a joke All right. so who are the children in this passage? so I think if we look at who are the asked who are the children in verse one here, I think if we look at verse four, we can kind of see that these aren 't talking about adult children, you know it's like these are talking about like children, who people who are under your roof, under your authority, it's just, like, we pay their bills, like, we just, like, we just take care of them, it's, like, culturally, they are kids, (laughs) like, um, so this isn't talking about, like, if you're 24 and you live on your own, it's, like, hey, you gotta obey your parents, like, no, it's not how it's talking about, so, so speaking of the word authority, I mentioned, I mentioned the word authority, so authority is, um, in a lot of ways, that's a in a lot of ways, that's a dirty word in our culture. Um, like, I think in, in our grandparents' generation, they didn't have that kind of, like, they didn't see that as a dirty word. But, like, I think in our culture, like, um, there's just a lot of baggage with that word. Um, I think a lot of times it's, um, it's associated with, like, um, controlling people for selfish reasons, I and mean, just being selfish and controlling people and lording your authority over people. And, like, um, the Bible talks about that, too, and that's called sin, um, but like when the Bible talks about authority, cause Brandon and I have talked about how it's probably not good to just casually use that word because there's just so much baggage associated with it to deconstruct what it means in terms of like how the Bible uses that word. But, um, authority, when it's talked in the Bible, it's talking about the responsibility that's given to you. So when Joe is up here talking about like, you know, we just really have the responsibility, He's talking about responsibility. Like functionally what he's talking about is like, We've, given this, we've been given this responsibility, this authority to raise Opie. You know? So like authority in the Bible is talking about the responsibility that's given to you and it should be used to bless those under your authority so that the people under you can flourish. So it's about the responsibility that's given to you and when you use it, it should be used to bless those under your authority so that they can flourish. So if the people under you are flourishing, you're probably using your authority well. If if they're not flourishing, the people under you aren't flourishing, you're probably not using your authority well. It's a good rule of thumb. So children, obey your parents, for this is right. So according to this passage, children are under your authority as parents. Children are under your authority as parents. According to this passage, a Christian home is not a child-directed home. According to this passage, a Christian home is not a child-directed home. And according to this passage, you should expect your kids to obey you. You should expect your kids to obey you. Now, some people think that the main reason why you should exercise your authority and expect your kids to obey you is because that way you can just get through life, okay? Like, it's just, like, to avoid chaos in your family and just, like, you can actually go go out in public and, um, you know, and there is some truth to that because, like, if we don't set boundaries, set expectations, expect them to obey, enforce consistent consequences, appropriately discipline with love and grace, um, if we don't do that, like, like, how are we going to expect to go to the grocery store? How do we expect to go out in public to restaurants? How do we expect them to go to school? Like, going over to a friend's house, like, how do we, how do you do that? Um, It's just hard to function in life, and you don't need to be a Christian to realize that. Like, um, it's just pragmatic, getting through life kind of stuff. Um, But beyond that, Beyond, like, the whole, like, we just need to get through life kind of stuff, um, from a Christian perspective, there's a deeper reason why we need to expect our kids to obey. And that's because um, we really want our kids to realize on a deep level that it's good to be under authority. We want them to realize that, like... um, like, it's safe to be under authority. And it's desirable to be under authority. And when I say that, I don't mean, like, parenting your kid in such a way that they're like this mindless drone that takes gets taken advantage of, of by people or anything like that. But it's just good and desirable and safe to be under authority. So, if the exercise of our authority is love, loving, wise, and consistent... Um, that teaches them that it's good, it's good and healthy to not be the king of our own lives. So, if we don't expe- express exercise our authority and expect them to obey, what we're indirectly teaching our kids is that, like, they are the king of their own lives, and that's good and fine. And on a pragmatic level, like, that doesn't prepare kids for wider social interaction, and. Most importantly, it doesn't prepare them to meet the true king. So um, there's, a, there's a lady named Jen Wilkin who, um, who I listen to a lot about parenting and everything. She has some good things to say, like it's not everything I agree with, but um, one of the things that she says is that if we don't teach our kids to submit to our authority, how are we ever going to learn teach them to submit to God's authority? So, all right, so what do I mean by that? All right, so we have a chart this morning. Everybody loves a good chart on a Sunday morning. When I say everybody, I mean probably nobody. All right, so so Becky and I used this chart uh, when we were counselor supervisors back in the day. Becky and I were a, count, a camp relationship. All right, so uh, this originally came from my friend Chris. So, uh, so every, so the premise of this chart is that um, Every time our kids disobey, they're asking two questions. Am I loved, and can I get my way? So, so little Jimmy, okay, let's pretend little Jimmy. Let's pretend little Jimmy's right here. You, you have a kid named little Jimmy. All right. So little Jimmy, he comes up to you right before lunch and says, can I watch a show? And little Jimmy says, or and you tell the little Jimmy, Um, no, Little Jimmy, you can't watch a show. Like, you can watch a show after lunch. Um, That's when you can watch a show. Okay? So we're going to eat lunch right now. So the boundary has been set. The clear expectation has been set. Um, But Little Jimmy knows where the Netflix button is on the remote. Okay? So, and he's not dumb. He knows where that button is. Um, And he picks up the remote and says, No! I want to watch! And then he picks up the remote and the netflix button and 10 turns on the tv none of us have ever had that happen in your house i don't know so now little jimmy little jimmy doesn't realize this but little Jimmy's asking two questions he's asking am i loved and can i get my way so the way that we respond as parents is going to determine which category up here on the chart that like little Jimmy is going to fall into. And the question is not, which one do we sometimes fall into? It's The main question is, um, what what is our response habitually and characteristically? Okay, so over time. So let's start at the bottom right here, the bottom right. So little Jimmy says, no, I want to watch and turns on the TV. So if you respond, you watch that stupid TV all the time. How dare you talk to me like that, you horrible kid? I've had it with you. Then you snatch the remote out of little Jimmy's hand and you turn off the TV. So what's being communicated? So little Jimmy, what's being communicated to him is that little Jimmy is not loved. And little Jimmy can't get his way. So if that's what characterizes our response in those kind of situations over time, what we're creating is a wounded child. And Now, as a parent, we are preaching a sermon. In those kind of discipline situations, we are preaching a sermon to our kids, whether you think you're a preacher or not. We're preaching a sermon about who God is. So the only question is, like, what kind of sermon are we preaching to our kids? Because in that kind of situation, if that's how we respond, what we're communicating about God is that God is a horrible boss who doesn't care about you and doesn't love you. That's their view of God. So let's go to the bottom left. So little Jimmy says, no, I want to watch, and turns on the TV. So if you respond... You watch that stupid TV all the time. Fine, watch it, because I've had it with you. Then you storm off in frustration, and little Jimmy watches the show. So what's being communicated to little Jimmy is that little Jimmy is not loved, but little Jimmy can get his way. So if that characterizes your response in those kind of situations, over time what we're creating is a bully. So for our kids, um, that's why we've tried to, Becky's done a way better job at this, communicating this than I have, but um, that's why we've tried to communicate to our kids is that um, the, the mean kids at school, those are actually the sad kids. So I think that really compels compassion, hopefully, in our kids um, towards those kind of kids. So and what's the sermon that we're preaching about God? What we're communicating about with God is that he's cool with you being the king of your own life, but he doesn't love you. Go do you what you want, but like God just doesn't care about you. So let's go to the top left. So little Jimmy says, no, I want to watch. Turns on the TV. So if you respond, little Jimmy, we just need to use kind words, sweetheart. We just, okay, you can just watch this one time, okay, little sweetheart? All right. All right. So what's being communicated to little Jimmy is that little Jimmy is loved and little Jimmy can get his way. So um, this, that's the... Um, uh, <laughs> so we've had situations in our... Extent, everybody has parenting situations that you observe in your extended family. So we have those in our family. So like this is... uh We have that too. So like sometimes like... Uh, you know, this is the kid who, like, hits his parents, like, ah, you know, it's like, oh, no, honey, like, we just do hugs, not hits, you know, it's like, we've, we have might have seen that a few times. So um, if this characterizes your response, um, over time, what we're creating is a spoiled brat. Um, and the sermon that we're preaching to our kids in this kind of situation is that, Um, He is pumping his fist about you and being the king of your life. You do what you want because I am all about you and love you, and it's all about you. That's what God thinks. That's the sermon that we're preaching. So let's go to the top right. So little Jimmy says, No, I want to watch. Turns on the TV. If you respond in a calm voice, Mommy said that you can watch after lunch, and then you take the remote from little Jimmy's hand. You turn off the TV, put little Jimmy in timeout because he was sassy and disobeyed. Then, after when little Jimmy gets out of timeout, like he needs to apologize, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't mean it, because kids need to learn the motion before they learn the motivation. Um, and then, like, there's a restoring of that relationship. That's that's more in line with the gospel. There's like discipline, you can't get your way, but you are deeply loved. So if that characterizes your response, then what you're creating over time is a well-adjusted is a well and emotionally healthy child. And the sermon that we are preaching to our kids in that kind of situation is that um, little Jimmy is not the king of his life, but God is meant, there's a higher authority that's meant to be the king of your life. And eventually over time, what hopefully once your little Jimmy is real will realize is that God is meant to be the king of your own life. But he is little Jimmy is deeply loved by the king. So gospel-centered parenting, like that's like up in that top right quadrant right up there. That gets parenting towards that quadrant, that'll get you to the grocery store in one piece. Okay? And like you can actually go out to a restaurant or two out maybe out even out in public and everything um but like from a christian perspective it teaches kids about like who god is what who is what is the gospel like what is our response to him what is it like to live under authority and in a right and healthy and well-balanced kind of way all right we got through one verse all right verse two (laughs) honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So um, when we're under our parents' authority, we are called to obey. When we're out from our parents' authority, we're called to honor them. So if you're like 30 years old, like you're not called to obey your parents, you're called to honor them. So like there's a lot of parents in here who like... um, Man, I mean, we're in this boat too. I mean, like, we're just—we total—we strive to honor our parents, even though that is sometimes difficult. <laughs> so, we strive to honor our parents. Um, in the midst of that, like, we are creating our own values and priorities and rhythms and structures for like following Jesus in the way we're going to, and just the way that we're going to live life in the way we're going to. Um, but like in the, even though some of those things are different than our parents like we 're called to just honor them and like in a respectful kind of way because that's like like honoring is like a lifelong kind of thing that we 're called to do for to our parents um, and when it says like um, which is the first commandment with a promise that 's just getting at the fact that like honor your father and mother, that was one of the um, was one of the Ten Commandments and it had a promise right next to it. It said, you know, so that it may go well with you, and you may you may enjoy long life on the earth. Well, that's basically getting it in a really in a nutshell is that hey, if you honor your parents, life is probably gonna go a little better for you if you don't. It's just a general truism of life. So that's probably worth considering. Verse 4 Fathers. Do not exasperate your kid, your children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. So what does it mean to be exasperated? Think about the worst supervisor you've ever had in your life. Remember how you felt? That's what it means to be exasperated. And what this, what this verse is getting at is that sometimes this is how we make our kids feel. Um, now, now, we use the uh, NIV translation for here at River City. Uh, that's the main translation that we use. Um, so in the NIV, um, one of the things I really res- um, like about the NIV is that uh, I re- really respect the intellectual honesty that the translators had when they were making the translation. So uh, it doesn't say this on the the slide or anything like that, but like if you read it... Um, in the translation, like there's a footnote on fathers, and then if you read the footnote, it says like, "Oh, it can be translated parents." So I appreciate the intellectual honesty of that with the translations. So it could mean fathers, or it could mean parents. Now, if it means fathers, that could mean that could be because uh, men tend to have uh, a harshness with the rules that. Uh, that they communicate that kind of stuff in a caveman kind of way sometimes. Like, that's, that's fair, you know? Um, it could mean parents because... It could mean parents, though, because um, fathers aren't... We all know, like, fathers aren't the only ones who exasperate their kids. There's this other people, called, people group called moms, you know? And they do that, too, sometimes. Um, so it could be either one. But, you know, regardless of whether it's translated fathers or parents... Um, I would argue that the root of exasperating your kids is having a parent-centered home. So we exasperate our kids when we correct and discipline and talk to them out of self-centered motives. So I want to do my own thing. I want to, like, express my power and control over you. I just don't really feel like being a parent. I've had a hard day at work, so I just want to be left alone, and I would rather be on the Internet right now. So I'm just going to talk to you in a way that just exasperates you. It's like parent-centered motives. Like, we've all been there. The people that I apologize to the most in my life by far are my daughter's. Um, yeah, and, like, yeah, and, cause, like, when I, when I do things that, like, and say things in ways that exasperate them, like, what I need to do is apologize. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't always do this, cause I don't want to make it some kind of, like, formula, and I want this to be, like, really sincere when I do this, but, like, a lot of times what I'll do is, um, like I pray, like after I apologize to them and ask them to forgive me without excuses, like well you were screwing up, um, you know, I'll pray to, I'll talk to God in front of them, and I'll say something along the lines of like, you know, God, like thank you, thank you so much for forgiving me. I'm really sorry for talking to talking to my daughter like that, and thanks for forgiving me, and um, please help me to be like a good dad because like. Um, just really follows Jesus in the way that I talk to my kids, you know, Um, because I want them to see that, like, grace is for daddy too, and it's not just for them. Um, And on a deeper level, like, if they don't see me modeling um, how to talk to God and go to him in a repentant kind of way, like, I don't really know where they learn that. I mean, they don't learn that from VeggieTales, that's for sure. All right, so second half of verse four, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. See, I would would say that verse one argues against having a child-centered home. I would argue that the first half of verse four is arguing against having a parent-centered home. Uh, The last half of verse four, I would say that that's arguing for um, having a God-centered home. So, when it says bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, this doesn't mean um, shoving something down their throat or some kind of like weirdo mind control spiritual boot camp at home. Like, that's not loving and that's not, that doesn't make them want to trust Jesus. Um, So, um, you know, I'm not talking about, it's not talking about any of that kind of stuff. Um, So, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of parents who, they treat talking about God kind of like um, talking about the birds and the bees. Like, how do we have the talk with them about it? You know, it's like, let's get a weirdo book so that we can have the talk with them or something. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I I do a horrible job remembering this verse, you know, but it's like, you remember that Deuteronomy (laughs) 6, 6 verse 7 up there that like was said three, three or four times or whatever? It was just like, the last part of it was, uh, you know, talk about these things. When it said, like, these things, um, they're talking about the things of God, the gospel, like, who God is. So it says, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was just, like, um, talk about these things. Oh, there there it is. So, like, so talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I don't think that's talking about like, we need to have a sit down and have the talk. I'm not, I'm not against having sit downs and talks, but um, now some of us have heard that verse a lot and we're kind of, now some of us have never heard that verse before and like, hey, that's a really good verse. Like, but some of us have heard that verse a lot and we're kind of inoculated to it a little bit because like verse seven, you know what verse seven assumes? Verse seven assumes that there is margin enough in your family's life to have conversations like that. Like, that doesn't really sound like an activity-driven life or home. And, like, there are structures and rhythms to your life where you can have significant conversations with your kids. Because the most significant conversations with your kids, just, they just kind of come up. It's like, they just, I mean, you got to have margin just built into your life to just even have the possibility for those conversations. Oh, we got to shuttle them around to different activities all the time. It's like, well, I mean, I think activities are good, but, like, what does margin look like? And like and we we naturally do talk about the things that are most important to us. I mean that's just a natural truism. Man, if like if your favorite football team is playing today for the championship game, man, like that's what you're talking about with your kids. That just naturally gets brought up. I mean, if Jesus is someone who's like, you know, is the it's at the top of the flow chart of your life, I mean that's just naturally gonna be talked about in some form and fashion. Yeah, and this verse is um, this verse is like addressed the parents, um, but and that's not because um, bringing your kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord is just meant to be like this weighty thing. Okay, but like I think this was really getting at is that man, like um, it's not meant to be this heavy burden, but like you have more influence on your kids than anybody else. Like, when some kid at the lunch table is, like, talking about, like, whatever they think about God, you know, to, like, our girls, I mean, like, that doesn't really bother me just because, like, they listen to what I say. Not because I have this mind control over them, but because, like, I'm their dad, but he's their mom. So, so lastly, um, all ministry is by God's power. It really is. Um, like, and parenting is a ministry. So, um... One of the most important, one of the most helpful and underrated studies that you can do in the New Testament is to study the word weakness, not strength, weakness. Um, So there's a, there's a 90 year old guy named J.I. Packer and he's British and he's smart and like, he just, uh, he's this prolific author and respect, really respectable theologian guy. So um, I think he stopped writing books now. Um. I think he's about yeah he's about ninety years old, so uh the last book so he 's written tons of books on like deep, weighty theological stuff. You know what his last book was? It was about uh weakness, yeah it was called Weakness is the way so um, so the basic so you don 't need to read the book i 'll just give you the premise right now so um, the premise of the book is that second uh, corinthians twelve for example says god 's power is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean so what he 's trying to say is that like when we are most when we feel most weak, and this is true in parenting, when we feel most weak, we are most dependent on God, and then that 's when God really shows up, and his power is made perfect in so many ways and like we can see that in parenting because like, man, it's like when we feel like so defeated and just everything, it's just like, that's when we cry out to God as Christians. That's when we cry out to God the most. And like, man, like, I just don't know what I'm doing. God, you're just going to really need to help. And like, he really does show up. And I think he does, God does rig it like that because, um, God, is, God is intended to get the credit for our lives. Like he's the author and he's the creator and he's supreme and like he really does in a good, healthy kind of way, just like he gets the credit more readily in those kind of situations. So when it comes to parenting, like it's good to parent out of dependence and weakness. And that's a good, healthy place to be. So let's pray. So God really thankful for for you with just how we you give us identity. Um, you tell us who we are, and we're thankful for you. Um, Yeah, I pray that for those of us who um, are feeling defeated by parenting, I pray that you will empower us just because we're dependent on you to just really um, empower our parenting and just like, um, and to also just give us just wisdom and um, everything that we need. So, Yeah, thank you so much for you, and we love you. Amen.